0: Welcome to Bible Greek VPods Intermediate Greek Program. This is Lesson 25. In this lesson, you will learn the participle, and then we will look at 1 John, Chapter 5. First, the participle. The participle is a form of a verb that can function independently as an adjective. The participle is one of the most complex grammatical subjects of first-year Greek and it causes all kinds of problems for first-year Greek students. But now that you have gotten a little more comfortable with the participle, and that you have translated some of them, coming back to it now will help greatly. The word participle comes from the Latin percepts, meaning sharing or participating. The Greek participle is said to be a declinable verbal adjective, meaning it has characteristics of both a verb and an adjective. As a verb, the participle has voice and tense. As an adjective, the participle is declined and agrees in gender, number, and case with that which it modifies. Remember first year Greek. There are two primary ways the participle can be used. The first is the adverbal participle. Remember the adverbal participle, the action described, is toward the verb and translated as an adverbal phrase. An example is, while he taught or while he did something. The other usage as an adjective is the adjectival participle. It says the action described is directed toward the noun or the pronoun and translated as a simple ing word. For example, Matthew 14, 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. So when they saw him walking is the participle, an ing word. Simple ing word. Well let's take a little deeper look at the usage of the participle. With respect to the verbal properties, the tense has to do with both time of action and kind of action. Kind of action is found in the participle itself. Time of action is derived from the main verb not the participle. For example a present Participle reflects continuous action indicating actions simultaneous with the main verb. The aorist and the perfect participles indicate action which is prior or antecedent to the action of the main verb. The future participles indicate action that is following or subsequent to the action of the main verb the voice of the participle the voice is the same as with the verb that is it identifies the relationship of the action to the subject so active voice means the subject is acting passive means the subject is being acted upon middle means the action is returning to the subject or acting on itself. Let's take a look at the use of the participle first the adjectival. In the attributive usage, the participle can modify the noun in the attributive position with or without the article. An example is found in Matthew chapter two verse seven. Then Herod, when he had Secretly called the wise men, Determine from them the time of the appearing star. There is the attributive usage. The appearing star. Simple ing word. The predicate usage. The participle can be used like an adjective. In the predicate position after a verb of being. An example is found in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So there it is, the I-N-G word. The, The word of God is living. That's the predicate usage. Then the substantive usage. The participle can function like an adjective when it is not accompanied by a noun. An example is found in Acts chapter 10, verse 35. But in every nation, the one fearing him, there's the participle, the one fearing him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Let's take a look at the adverbal participle. In the adverbal participle, there is the temporal participle. The participle can be used in a temporal clause. With this usage, the temporal words when, after, or while are used at the beginning of the adverbal phrase or the adverbal clause. Here's an example. Example is found in Acts chapter 19 verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit, here's the participle, when you believed. When you believed. See there's temporal words are added. Let's move to the purpose participle. The participle can be used to describe the purpose of the action of the main verb. Purpose participles use the words to, in order to, for the purpose of, or so that. An example is found in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to gain eternal life? See, to test him is the participle. And indeed, for the most part, these participles are in the dative case. Let's move to the result Participle. A participle can be used to express the result of the action of the main verb. An example is found in John chapter five verse eighteen. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath but also said that God was his Father. Here's the participle with the result of making himself equal to God. There is the causal participle. Participle can function to express cause of action of the main verb. An example is found in Matthew 22, verse 29. Jesus answered and said to them, You are deceived because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. That's causal participle. There is also a conditional participle. An example of a conditional participle is found in Acts chapter 15, verse 29, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality, from which if you keep yourselves, notice that there is the conditional participle, if you keep yourselves, you will do well. Next, we have the concessive participle. This participle can express concession being used with or without the concessive particle if or the conditional particle if. The concessive adds the word although or though. An example is found in John chapter 9, verse 25. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not I do not know one thing I know that although I was blind now I see there is the concessive particle that although I was blind now I see next we have the instrumental participle the participle can be used to express the means by which the action of the main verb is accomplished An example is found in Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, and wash away your sins by means of calling. See, there's the instrumental. By means of calling on his name. The modal participle. The modal participle expresses that the action of the main verb is accomplished. The modal participle answers the question, How did the action take place? An example is found in Mark chapter 1, verse 22. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as having authority. There is the modal participle, teaching them as having authority. And it answers the question, How did the action take place? How did he teach? With authority. Next we have the circumstantial participle. The participle can be used to express an action or circumstance that accomplishes the action of the main verb. An example is found in Mark chapter 16, verse 20. But they went forth preaching everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs there is the circumstantial participle they went forth next we have the imperatival participle the participle can function like an independent verb as an imperative an example is found in Romans chapter 12 verse 9 let love be without hypocrisy. Hate the evil. There is the imperative participle. Hate the evil. Here's the other participle. Cleave to the good. They acts like a simple imperative. Next we have the indicative participle. The participle can function like an independent indicative verb. An example is found in Romans chapter 5, verse 11. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. So the word rejoice. We also rejoice in God. It acts like a simple indicative verb. Move now to the participle absolute. The participle can function as a nominative absolute and a genitive absolute. As a nominative absolute participle, we have John chapter 7 verse 38. The one that believes in me, there is the nominative absolute participle. It just is in the nominative case. The one that believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Finally, we have the genitive absolute participle. The genitive absolute participle functions adverbally. An example is found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. While he was saying these things to them. There it is, the genitive absolute participle. While he was saying these things to them. Behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died but come and lay your hand on her and she will live now let's move to the text of the day sin and the believer in first john chapter 5 verses 16 and 17 after assuring us that a brother's prayer is always heard is never unanswered and is of benefit to the one praying the apostle moves to intercessory prayer for sin. There is no greater benefit, honor, and indeed command than to have a brother or sister in Christ pray for you while you are deep in some sin. This is the heart of intercessory prayer. Moving from self-seeking prayer to praying for others is following the law of love, and is most important in the church today. Indeed, it is fulfilling the law of love. The context cannot be forgotten here. John moves from proclaiming the simple doctrine of salvation and internal security to knowing and experiencing these doctrines. The apostle moves from doctrine to application, from knowledge to faith, and from faith to confidence. This is Christian maturity, moving from knowing God's will to trusting He will act because God truly is God and because the child of God has a personal relationship with Him. The apostle argues that we should go before Him in prayer, and see our confidence in our daily walk increase because we are concerned with doing His will. And we trust He will do it. Faith and trust is as much a story of the patriarchs of the Old Testament as it is for us today. Trusting God instead of self is a hard thing to do. The big problem that must be faced has to do with understanding the difference between positional and experiential salvation. While a believer's position is secure in Christ, his or her daily walk involves abiding, obeying, and trusting in Christ on a daily basis for not only the small things in life, but the big ones as well. In that church, in that day, Sin was a big topic. Its nature and character was influenced by Greek culture and tradition rather than by Scripture. When culture, tradition, and Scripture have equal weight in one's mind, then the things of God and Scripture usually are outweighed by the world and the flesh. Approach doctrine with Scripture Scripture alone, and you will end up with a more pure, true, uncorrupted doctrine. You might say this short couplet, that is verses 16 and 17, is the capstone of dealing with sin in the church and serves as the application side of the great commandment love your God with all your heart and love your brother as yourself. The great truth. To notice here is the fact of the believer's approach to addressing a brother committing minor sin is not to approach the person, but to approach God in prayer. Confidence in God involves letting God be God and yielding to the Spirit. Look at verse 16, the first clause. If a certain man sees his brother sin ascend not unto death here we find the apostle gives this supposed situation in the form of a third class condition with ain if together with the aorist subjunctive of horeo to see with the eyes or the mind the word horeo has to do with physical sight with a concentration on using the mind to discern what is seen Hence, this sin is physically seen and specifically discerned to be seen. This statement serves as a general statement of fact, as the pronoun tis, a certain man, or any man, is the subject of the phrase, in conjunction with the arist verb. The third class condition means this person really does see his brother sin a sin, that does not lead to death. The use of Adelphos, the brother, is metaphoric and means a Christian brother who is in the same family of God as a fellow believer in Christ. The definite article with brother highlights the definite nature of this relationship, being in the same family together in Christ, and means a specific brother. The thing that is seen is an act of of sin, not heard from a second source, gossip, or slander, but personally seen or heard by this brother. This sin is an open sin, at at least openly seen by this fellow believer. The use of the present participle in the accusative case of hamartio, to sin, that is an present active participle, Accusative, masculine, singular. It shows this participle is used in the true sense of a participle, that verbal adjective of the phrase. That is to say, the object is actively engaging in sin. The brother is presently engaged in sin. This person is sinning a sin, described as may pass not to death. The preposition in the accusative might better be translated not toward death or not leading to death. The idea is result and can be translated not resulting in death. Notice sin is spoken of in general. That is to say there is no definite article included. So the sense is a sin in general with no specific single sin in mind. Simply stated, the penalty for sin is death, but the believer has passed from death to life. There are, however, various consequences or penalties identified for sin. Sin is not all the same, although all sin is transgression. That's what this section of scripture describes sin must be punished and for the believer Jesus took the penalty in our place so we have passed from death to life being placed into the family of God this is our position we have been saved in Ephesians 2:8-9 describes a perfect passive tense we have been saved in our daily walk however we sin And it is in this context that John is writing. Sin is a transgression of the law of God and is an attack against God as the great lawgiver. As is common with any law, there are consequences in the form of punishment demanded by a righteous God upon the lawbreaker. All sin is seen as a result of the fall and its corrupting nature affects not only all mankind but the whole of mankind not only is everyone born a sinner but also the fall has affected the whole of man his mind his conscience the soul and the environment legally sin is said to be imputed to all mankind our sins are imputed to christ And therefore, the legal act of Christ's righteousness and his death penalty and shed blood is imputed to believers. So it is that sin can be identified as, number one, the sin, singular, we possess as being born into the human race with Adam as the representative head, and two, personal sins, plural, as we exist as responsible moral agents, that is our sins. Some personal sins result in a natural outcome of the character of that sin that man cannot escape and man cannot be saved from their consequence by repentance and forgiveness. Dr. Burkhoff says, In some cases, they, they that is the sins, may be mitigated and even checked by means which God has placed it at our disposal. But in other cases, they remain and serve as a constant reminder of past transgressions. In other words, a doctor may be able to fix or, uh, or, or take care of the some of the results of that sin, but not all of it. What happens when God transforms the sinner is that the person believes God, which is credited to him or her as righteousness. That which is believed today is the gospel of Christ for the believer. The relationship that is possessed as part of being placed into the family of God with all its benefits and responsibilities thereof moves the father to punish sin in the believer's life by means of love. Once a person believes, his or her sins are forgiven. As the new creature in Christ participates in his or her new life in this fallen world, interacting with others, their sin is forgiven and relationship restored by confession and prayer. That's what John says in 1 John 1, verse 9. There are sins, however, that either we refuse to give up or are unknown to us in our lives. God the Father in righteousness seeks to reform the sinning believer by means of inflicting hardship that results in refining us. The purpose of God's testing is to humble us to see if we will obey Him and preserve in our faith. Testing is viewed by God as a love test. Do we love Him? Do we fear Him? Do we trust Him? The question that frequently comes up here, is this physical or spiritual death? That is, when we say, if a certain man sees his brother sin a sin not unto death, is that death physical or spiritual the scriptural usage of the word thanatos death has the complete range of meaning from physical to spiritual death that's what the problem is here Dr. Vine identifies the following usage of the word death number one is the separation of the soul from the body the spiritual part of man From the material part of man. The latter that is the body. Ceasing to function and turning to dust. The second definition. Is the separation of man from God. And we find Adam died on the day he disobeyed God. In Genesis 2.17. All men are born in the same spiritual condition from which, however, those who believe in Christ are delivered. We are delivered from this death. So the sense of death used here as a sin not leading to death has historically been interpreted as either physical or spiritual death. With respect to spiritual death, a sin not leading to spiritual death, the following is thus observed. The context would suggest that this sin has to do with seeing a brother mixed up in a doctrinal controversy. In this case, that is to say those who hold to spiritual death uh, take the context, the previous context, and move it into this text. In this case, the immediate context concerns the subject of eternal security in verse 13. Notice John does not say go to them and talk to them about their sin. Instead, he says to go to God in prayer concerning their sin, and God is faithful to answer your prayer by opening their eyes concerning this matter. This is why it is a sin not leading to death. The Gnostic perversion of personal sin, that is, truly enlightened person says, I have no sin, and special knowledge, those two huge Gnostic perversions, no special knowledge outside the written word, breaks down the solid teaching of God. And one area that this affects is the doctrine of eternal security. Those that read the Word of God and teach that you can never be sure a believer possesses eternal life is being spiritually manipulated because the Word is clear that believers do possess eternal life now and forever. The spiritual battle can only be fought in the spiritual realm. And it is the word of God working with the spirit of God that we understand the great truths of God. Here the believer is involved in a heresy that does not lead to spiritual death. In other words, it's a minor doctrinal error. These sins involve secondary doctrines that separate us. These sins involve not believing God is big enough to keep us in his family And not big enough to trust him in overcoming sin. Let's take a look at the second interpretation a sin not leading to physical death. For those believing that this is a sin not leading to physical death, the following is noted the context has shifted from doctrine in 5 chapter 5, verses 6 through 13 to application in chapter 5 verse 14 through 17 so in other words the context has shifted and and this is uh, I would agree with that statement John is now talking about prayer that builds up confidence in our daily life the only sin leading to death is unbelief John is not talking about that He is addressing a sin that does not lead to physical death. What is a sin that leads to physical death? Those natural desires of the flesh that the fallen culture glories in. Sexual promiscuity, drug and alcohol abuse, want of things, and etc. Sinful activities that lead to an early grave because they affect the body in the form of disease, excess or personal conflict. The parables are full of warnings against this kind of behavior and the consequences thereof. The Ten Commandments give clear guidance against them by use of those harrowing warnings thou shalt not. In this case, a brother knows of another brother's sin that is non-life-threatening. And simply goes before God and prays for him. The brother is to approach God in prayer and ask the sinning brother's eyes be opened. In this case, where physical life is not in danger, we are to let the Spirit do his work and we do ours. The Spirit teaches and corrects while fellow believers pray move down to this next phrase he will ask and he will give him life to those not sinning unto death what john is saying is he that is the brother praying will ask and he that is the son of god will give him that is the sinner life the future verb of ito he will ask points back to the specific person who sees the sinner and is acting as an imperative future. The sense is, if a man sees a brother sinning, a sin that does not lead to death, then he should ask God who will give the sinner life. This is a sin that is either physically seen or discerned by what is said by the brother. The instruction for the brother is First, to go before the Lord in prayer, because the brother's life is not in danger. If the brother's life was in danger, then it is expected that the brother approach him directly and warn him. But that is not what John is talking about. The brother is to go before God and ito, ask, with an attitude of petition, of one who is in a lower position. That's what uh, the word for prayer means. There are two words for prayer or ask used in this section. Ito means a lower position. The believer is to come before God with a humble attitude in prayer concerning the brother's sin. The future verb of didomai, to give, points to a response to prayer. John has just stated that prayer that is done in God's will will be answered. This prayer concerns the brother's sin and his restoration to living a life in the will of God. So the word zoe, life, will be given. Again, the question is raised, is this physical or spiritual life? That is to say, is the Greek referred to physical life? That is, the state of one who is possessed of vitality and is animate, or spiritual life, real life and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed in the portion, even in this world, of those who put their trust in Christ, but after the resurrection to be consummated by new ascensions. Among them, a more perfect body, and to last forever. That is the definition of spiritual life, quite a big definition given by the Theological Dictionary. For those arguing spiritual death, this is usually interpreted as spiritual life. Likewise, those arguing for physical death interpret this as physical life. The present participle of harmatio, to those that are not actively sinning, speaks of a group that is not actively sinning, a sin unto death. To them, God gives life. What is a sin not leading to death? The pros thanaton. Scripture has said over 150 times that belief in the Son of God saves, while not believing in the Son brings condemnation and judgment. In fact, all mankind is described as dead in trespasses until God makes us alive in Christ. But it is also true that there is sin that leads to physical death. That's a true statement. Either way you take it, this person is a brother who is actively sinning. That's the fact. But the sin is either a minor sin that is a minor doctrinal error or a sin that is non-life-threatening. The scriptural concept of life is life in full relationship with God. Fullness of life means a believer experiences the fullness of the benefits of being in the family of God. This person does not grieve the Holy Spirit, but lives a life yielded to God and overcomes sin. A believer who possesses a new spiritual life may or may not experience fullness of life due to sin. While the Spirit of God regenerates, indwells, baptizes, and seals the believer... The fullness of his new life and walk in Christ is conditioned upon his yieldness to the Spirit. In other words, the quality of his life depends upon his relationship and abiding in Christ. While our position is secure in Christ, our daily walk involves the continuing work of the Spirit in the Spirit's work of filling, guiding, teaching, gifting, and empowering. That's what the Spirit does on a daily basis, on a continuous basis, I should say. One cannot walk in the Spirit when sin rules his or her life. For the one that believes this passage teaches spiritual life and death, God will spare his physical life. For the one that believes this passage teaches spiritual life and death, God will give him fullness of life. Move to the next phrase. There is sin unto death. I am not speaking about that in order that he might pray. The verb, I me. Mean is placed at the head of the phrase, thus stressing the fact that there really is a sin that leads to death. The subject, hamatia, sin, is missing the definite article, signifying that there is not a single definite sin that leads to death, but sin in general leads, postthanaton to death. The negative particle, u, not, is placed at the head of this phrase in order to stress the fact that John is not speaking about not praying for someone's sin. The sense of this phrase is, there is a sin leading to death. I'm not saying that you should pray for those who commit it. Praying for those that are perishing or those... Who are involved in a sin that leads to physical death is certainly within the will of God, but that is not what John is speaking about here. John says, "Ou peri not concerning this. The feminine demonstrative pronoun "ekinos" that is the far demonstrative, indicating the farness of this type of sin is in mind. He is now talking about a different kind of sin, a sin that does lead to death. The present tense of Lego, I am not speaking, furthers this thought and narrows the focus to a sin that leads to death. The henna clause, henna Erotusa, in order that he might pray, Together with the aorist subjunctive of erota, to question, ask, or pray, has the sense, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make request for this. The difference in the use of the words for ask, ito versus eroto, also points to the great difference in kind of sin. We do not come before God and areto, ask a question. That's what the other word for ask or pray is. Instead we come before God and humbly ask ato for help. The first use of ask or pray. You get the difference? The difference in the word areto is to ask a question. We don't come before God to ask a question for this sinner. We come before, before God and ask for help. The apostle is focused upon prayers for brothers and sisters in Christ. These prayers are intercessory prayers for restoration. Sin separates, and this brother will experience a fellowship problem with both God and the body of believers. The idea of biblical life has to do with communion and fellowship with God. Sin separates us from God, not in the sense of total separation, death, but in the sense of fellowship, that is fullness of life. The Christian sin has the effect of missing out on the fullness of what it means to live a victorious life in Christ. Living a victorious life means we have a new capability to listen to God's word and to understand because we have been given the gift of the Spirit. Possessing eternal life means we are safe in the hands of God forever and that our mind has been transformed. We are no longer enemies of God, but we have been reconciled to God and have fellowship with Him. Sin in the believer's life means loss of fellowship, loss of joy, a darkened walk, and a weak prayer life. Fullness of life means all those items declared in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance fullness of life also has to do with righteousness and truth since these are said to be fruit of the spirit also move down to verse 17 every unrighteous act is sin in order to clarify the doctrine of sin and the believer John adds pasa adoke hamartia estin Every unrighteous act is sin. The heresy of the Gnostic is clearly in focus here. Just because you are saved, you cannot say you do not sin because every single unrighteous act is called sin. The feminine singular accusative pos, in the nominative case, every, modifies a again in the nominative case. Injustice or unrighteousness, thus emphasizing every single act of unrighteousness, not leaving any out. The fact that the word hamatia is in the subject case, also in the nominative, but functions as an object, highlights the fact of the equality of unrighteousness and sin, unrighteousness is sin and sin is unrighteousness one cannot separate the two they are in essence synonymous move down to the next phrase it says and a sin is not to death the simple phrase finds the verb at the head stressing the fact that there really is a sin that does not lead to death notice the present tense of the to be verb a me in essence the Apostle says that there continues to be a sin that does not lead to death this harmatia pas thanaton sin not resulting in death is expressed as a simple statement for the second time thus emphasizing its importance in this letter concerning the doctrine of sin. Sin has different degrees, but make no mistake, all unrighteousness is sin. Sin is personified as a lion seeking its prey. Let us not let sin rule us, but let our new life in Christ rule our life. This letter is written to the church addressing personal application specifically growing in the knowledge of Christ and seeks to clarify one's attitude toward a brother that is involved in open sin. Whether this sin is doctrinal or not is not the point. The point is, this brother is involved in some minor sin that is seen by another brother and the command is to go before a righteous and just God for help. There is no better place to go than to go before the author of all salvation and ask for help. Not only for our sin, but for others as well. I hope you have enjoyed this session. Now go translate the next section and come back for the next lesson.